In the 35 years that I have been preaching sermons on Sundays, I do not think I have ever preached a Father's Day sermon. Now, I might be wrong. Maybe I did one. But I, I just, you know, it's never really been my method to, you know, take the various holidays and, you know, preach a message on that. I always figured, like, we get stuck doing that because there's so many things that, you know, holidays that happen around the year, especially now. Uh, so, you know, so I, I've just never really done it. I've just stuck with the text that we have. Uh, like I said, I might have done it once. I can't remember having ever done it. So today is a first. I'm going to do that today. Um, but, you know, funny thing is I wasn't really planning on doing it. I was, uh, I was planning to do this text, but I was thinking about it, you know, coming back to it. We talked about the passage already, but I thought about coming back around and looking at it again and, and emphasizing more just, you know, marriage again. But um, as I kind of just sat there, pen in hand and, you know, kind of waiting on the Lord, I just I really sensed the Lord was saying, you know, speak, speak to fathers. And so... That is what we're going to do today. Now, we've all heard the term, I think, uh, toxic masculinity. Uh, We did a conference here a while ago, a men's conference. And we uh, are the theme of our conference was, uh, I think it was like true masculinity. But that, that, that was, you know, kind of a response to the idea that we hear about, uh, in certain aspects of the culture, this idea of toxic masculinity. Let me, let me read you some interesting statistics. 43% of boys are raised by single mothers. 78% of teachers are female. So close to 50% of boys have 100% feminine influence at home and 80% feminine influence at school. Toxic masculinity isn't the problem. The lack of masculinity is the problem. Now, yesterday, um, I, got a, I had a later flight out of Chicago, so I spent a few hours with a friend of mine, Manny Mill. I think Manny spoke for us once a few years ago. Really excitable guy, preached on prayer, uh, dynamic guy. Manny, uh, his primary ministry is in the prisons in the country. He goes all over the country speaking in prisons. And uh, as we were talking yesterday, he said, Brian, tomorrow morning, first time ever on Father's Day, because I've always reserved Father's Day to be with my family. He said, I'm going to be preaching at Dixon Prison to thousands of inmates. And he said, the, the reality is in the prison system, what you will find is fatherless men. He said the vast majority, the vast majority of men in prison do not have a father, did not have a father figure. And, and, you know, just, and I know that, I mean, I've heard these statistics before, but, you know, maybe just being in the context I was in this week in Chicago and all that, it it was kind of just fresh in my mind. I spent a few hours in a, a drug rehabilitation center uh, with 40 men who have been redeemed out of the prison system and out of the drug, you know, drugs and drug dealing and all of that. And, and once again, just seeing these men and listening to their stories, uh, the, the common thread was growing up in a fatherless environment. So 
38 years ago, I became a father. I was 24 years old. And I have to admit, I didn't have the slightest idea of how to be a father. Between my dad, who left the home when I was seven, and my stepdad, I didn't really have a good fatherly role model. But I did have one thing going for me. I had a heavenly father who was teaching me through his word what fatherhood was supposed to be like. And and that really was my, uh, that was my model. I, I just knew what God had done in my own life personally and just his intimate involvement in my life. And, and so, um, you know, as Jesus said, our, you know, when he tossed to pray, our father in heaven. And, and I took that to heart. And then I, I remembered the words of Jesus. Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the father. And so I just took, well, Jesus is going to be my role model. And as I you know, gave myself to him and dedicated myself to him and you know, began to study his word and, and all of that and just seeing him, this, this is what began to form me. This is what began to mold and shape me as a father. So I, I want to talk about uh, four or five things this morning in regard to fatherhood. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about the joy of fatherhood. Then I want to talk about the responsibility of fatherhood. And thirdly, the burden of fatherhood. And then fourthly, the reward of fatherhood. And then I want to just tie it all together with, you know, how can this be a reality in uh, our lives? And so beginning with the joy of fatherhood. You know, in Psalm 127, it says this. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Blessed or happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. And, and you know, I can just say that, yes, that is so true. There, there is a joy. There's a level of joy in being a parent, in being a father that is unsurpassed. And, and I just, you know, I think about all of the years of raising our four children and all of the, the amazingly joyful uh, experiences that I had with them. And, and, you know, the things that just delight your heart and the things that make you laugh still today, things that you think back on. Um, now, this past week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, I, I saw this video on social media. And I think that this just so beautifully illustrates the the point that I'm making right now. So I've asked our team to show you this video. I'm going to step aside and and I want you to watch this. And I think, you know, I won't even need to say anything after we see this. But let's check this out. This one, this is the grand finale of this. Okay, the last one? Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some stuff this time. So, we don't want to go back. Exactly what I was thinking. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't bring that in. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go somewhere else with that, but don't break here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. Then it was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Really? I thought the same thing. <laughs> we think a lot alike, huh? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Right. The joy of fatherhood. That's it right there. But I saw that. I thought this is one of the best things I have ever seen. And of course, I've lived it too. So it was, it was just, I could think, I said to Cheryl this morning, um, you know, our, our youngest son, Brayden, he used to do that all the time. You know, he'd just be, you know, carrying on a conversation. We had no idea what he was saying, but he certainly knew what he was saying, apparently. And so we would have those, uh, <coughs> those conversations back and forth. And uh, same, with, same with our oldest daughter. We remember them very specifically. But, you know, there, there's so much joy in fatherhood. And, and I think of, you know, I, so many times I've seen dads with kids and it's obvious by just everything that's happening around them that they're, they're not experiencing the joy of fatherhood. And, and those poor kids, you know, they're, they're being screamed at and they're being called names and, and that sort of thing. And that, that is so heartbreaking and it's, it's so tragic uh, because God intended there to be a ton of joy in fatherhood. And, and fatherhood, like we talked previously about marriage and family and all that, this is God's good thing. This is God, you know, when God brings these things into existence, he's bringing these things into existence to bless people. It's God, I, I wanna bless people. I wanna bless the human family. So I'm gonna set it up like this. And it's, it's going to be this kind of a thing. So right there, uh, a great illustration of the joy of fatherhood. But fatherhood also comes with responsibility. And Paul, in writing to the church in Ephesus, he speaks to the fathers and he says, fathers, bring up your children in the training, or you could translate the word discipline, and instruction of the Lord. And, and of course, when we talk about, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, this whole thing of incarceration and the great numbers of, of men in the prison system who had no fathers. And, you know, part of the explanation, a, a big part of the explanation for why they're there is because they had no, no training. There, there was no discipline. Uh, we, we have to teach our children, right? We, we are responsible to do that, to teach them what is right, to teach them what is wrong, uh, to teach them that, that truth is um, the way we are to live, not in falsehood. Uh, we're, we're to teach them to um, work and, and 
you know, be responsible for themselves and, and for others around them and all those kinds of things. And we teach them that by modeling that. And we also teach them that by just, you know, instructing them uh, in those ways. Now, you know, as I, I look back and I, I just look at my kids and I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness in their lives. And, and you know, sometimes, honestly, I, I just look back and I think, gosh, I don't know, you know, did I do a good job? And, and sometimes I feel like I didn't do that good of a job. And, and yet, thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. I, I don't take, you know, much credit at all for where my kids are at today. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. But I, I look back and I think, man, I should have been more um, diligent there. And I should have uh, trained them better in these areas. And I can't reverse that now. But even now in their lives as adults, I can still give that kind of encouragement. And, and that's the, the idea that Paul is expressing here. Because right before he says this... He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not frustrate them. Uh, because that is a possibility. And it's really kind of the contrast that he's making. There, there are those fathers who exasperate or frustrate their children because maybe they have unreal expectations. We've all known the stories about the dad who was maybe, um, you know, had some uh, potential in sports, but circumstances never really let you know, him, him pursue that. And so now he's got a son and he's going to fulfill his dreams through that son. And so now the son becomes uh, a means of his own fulfillment. And uh, I can tell you, there are many boys that have been exasperated trying to fulfill their father's dreams. And it's, it's those kinds of things that we have to be careful not to do while at the same time doing the right thing of um, training them up, disciplining them, giving them structure, and instructing them in the Lord. Instructing them in the Lord. Now, I, I don't know how many of you are younger dads, probably not too many, um, and I would imagine many of you are grandparents like I am. Um, but at whatever stage we're in, you know, just instructing them in the Lord, bringing them up, up in the Lord. You know, I love my, my son-in-law, Mike Smith. Um, you know, his oldest son is 18, Cade, and, and Ryder is 12. And, you know, every night, these guys live an insane life. But every night before they go to bed at one in the morning or whenever it is, uh, Mike has a devotion with them. They open up the Bible and he encourages them with something, you know, in scripture and he prays for them. And, and man, I just think that is priceless. That is the kind of thing right there that even though at the moment it might not look like it's, you know, there's a whole lot of dividends uh, coming from it. Uh, it will pay off in the end. So there's the joy of fatherhood, the responsibility of fatherhood, but then there's the burden of fatherhood. 
And, you know, the scripture speaks of God and it says this in Isaiah 63, 9, it says, in all their distresses, speaking of the children of Israel, in all their distresses, he too was distressed. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. And, and you know, as I was talking to my friend Manny yesterday as we were heading to the airport, um, Manny's really, really big in his just perspective on the fatherhood of God and glorifying God. And he's written a great book. We sell it here uh, on um, prayer based on the Lord's prayer. But uh, as, as we were just talking, he said, you know, I, I recently saw in Luke chapter 11 there, I saw a new thing. And I, I just saw how, you know, when we pray, God is already present in the situation that we're praying about. And the, the point that he was making is the empathy that, that God himself has as, as we come to him. And he said, you know, you know how that is, right? And I said, oh my goodness, do I know how that is? I, of course I know how that is. You know, when one of my kids call me and, then, and, they're, and they're in any distress, guess what? I am immediately in that same distress. I'm in that distress with them. And I want to do everything in my power, you know, through counsel, through prayer, through assistance. Uh, I, man, I want to uh, relieve them of that distress. And I have discovered that that's part of a father's role that never ends. You know, the, the idea that, yeah, we'll get them grown up, send them off to college, and then there's somebody else's responsibility. Now, some people might be able to do that. I haven't figured that out yet. I'm still like, you know, I'm still looking at them like, oh, these poor kids. They need their dad to, to intervene. They need their dad to help. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. I, I don't always have the means to do it. I remember some years ago, um, and you remember this as well, five years ago, actually, when my uh, granddaughter was born and she had the, the heart defect and had to have open heart surgery. And, you know, everything in me wanted to fix that. Everything in me wanted to say that, no, no, that's not going to happen. And, 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 you know, Lord, take this away and don't, everything in me. But I had no power to do that. But I entered into that distress and entering into that distress, you know, prayed through it with them and, and all of that. But that's, that's part of fatherhood. We bear the burdens of our children, not just when they're babies, not just when they're adolescents, not just when they're young adults, but we continue to father them all the way through. And then, fourthly, there is the reward of fatherhood. And man, there, there is an amazing reward. And Psalm 127, another portion of it puts it like this. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents. And the idea here is that your children are going to grow up and your children are going to grow up and they're going to be your allies. 
They're going to partner with you. They're going to join in um, your your life. And and you know, I I would include in this. I th- I think it's it's there. It's not stated there, but I would include in this friendship. You know, it's amazing. Cheryl and I never thought when we were raising these four kids. I don't know if she ever thought it. I don't think I ever thought like, you know, one day these kids are going to be our best friends. <laughs> you know? I mean, we loved them as kids, but they were kids, right? And and you know, you just you just never thought of it like that. And and yet that's been our experience as as our kids have grown and become adults. It's like wow, we got this set of great friends who we actually birthed. We had them so they could become friends. We don't have many friends, so we decided, well, we'll just create some uh, for ourselves. No, we weren't thinking that, but that's exactly what has happened. And I, I just got to tell you, I, I love it so much. So the statistic I read about the toxic masculinity, so my oldest son calls me at 6.30 this morning, happy Father's Day, Dad. Um, what are, you, what are you preaching on? Oh, I'm preaching on this. Oh, man, I read this quote the other day. It's so amazing. And so he's going through his phone. He's trying to find it. I said, send me that. And, and then I said, see, this is what you do. When, you get, when your dad gets old and he can't really do the research that he used to be able to do, he's got you. God's raised him up to be my researcher and to help me with that. So. But that, that's part of the reward. And the friendship is part of the reward, but you know, remember, it's as we go back to the responsibility, it's the, the, the training them and instructing them. And, and what we've found, and I know many have as well, is that we become allies and we become partnered in the ministry of the gospel. And that, to me, is one of the most amazing things, you know, to, to see this. And I, I have a number of friends who I can look at and I, you know, I see these dads and I see their, their boys right alongside of them serving Christ. And I think, man, this is so beautiful. This is so powerful. And this is part of the reward. And so in the early days, of course, there's the challenges, there's the struggles, there's the difficulties. Um, Probably most of us know what it's like to have at least one child that goes astray. And that's a a burden in and of itself that is sometimes almost unbearable. But to see God's faithfulness and to see them be restored and then to see them come alongside in service. Wow, what an absolutely amazing thing. I might have shared this before, but I'll never forget years ago, quite a, quite a few years ago now, at least 10, maybe even more, probably more. Um, I was at Creation Fest and I'm standing there and I'm surrounded by a group of guys who, yeah, they, they were in their early 20s at the time. So it was quite a while ago because they're all in their mid 30s now. I'm standing with this group of guys and, you know, we're right there engaged in gospel ministry. We're going on the streets. These guys are, a lot of them are musicals, so they're going into the pubs. Uh, we're doing outreach on the street. We got the, you know, we're, we're just out there doing gospel ministry. And I remember this moment. I'm standing there, and I'm looking at this group of maybe like a half dozen guys. And the thought flashes on my mind. 
I saw every one of these kids come home from the hospital when they were born. I saw every one of them grow up in Sunday school. And I have to say that when they came home from the hospital and when they were growing up in Sunday school, I never thought that one day they would be my ministry partners. But lo and behold, that's exactly what was happening. And I thought, wow, amazing, amazing. Thank God for those Sunday school teachers. And what a, what a great, uh, you know, what a great opportunity and a privilege we have even today. You know, how can you, how can you invest in the, in the life of someone? Now, looking around the room, again, I think, you know, most of us are dads of probably adults. Uh, some of us are granddads. Some of you might be younger with, with smaller children. But you're, obviously, you're never going to stop investing and ministering to your own kids. But, you know, men, as we looked at that statistic, 78% of school teachers are women. And thank God for the women. Hallelujah. That's not, a, that's not a negative. I mean, but why aren't there more men investing? And when it comes to Sunday school, you know, in Sunday school, you get to teach, but you get to model as well. Now, I did not plan on uh, exhorting you to sign up to teach Sunday school, but I'm just going to do that right now. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I, I have to say, one of the things that I took away from my week this week was just how we need to retain our passion and we need to keep serving the Lord. We can't settle on our lease. We can't just, you know, coast into the comfort zone and stay there. And we got to keep doing stuff because we got to keep reaching people. We got to reach new generations and I know for a fact from conversations with my own kids how Sunday school teachers impacted them. And, you know, they, they would tell me about, you know, certain couple of Sunday school teachers. And, and often it was women. But I remember specifically uh, that there were a couple of men that faithfully taught Sunday school over the years. And they had a, a definite impact for Christ on the lives of my children. And I'm thankful for that. But that's what God's called us to do. That's part of the responsibility. And yet with that, there are these amazing rewards. And you know, some of these school teachers, uh, Sunday school teachers, uh, some of these kids after they've grown up and been married and had families, they've had the opportunity to go back and say thank you Thank you for what you did every Sunday for those couple of years when I was in your class. And, and that's the kind of legacy that we can leave. So the joy of fatherhood, the responsibility of fatherhood, the burden of fatherhood, the reward of fatherhood. What messes this up? What, what, what is it that makes this not be what God wants it to be? what he designed it to be. What is it? Well, in the text, we see what it is. In the text, we see what messes this up is a hard heart. That's, that, that's at the root of, of what's messing things up, according to Jesus. 
In the beginning, God intended it to be this way, but because of the hardness of your heart, it's turned out this way. And the way it's turned out is not the way God planned it to be. And so if, if we as dads, at any stage in our lives as fathers, if we can look and see that, oh, this is not joyful. This is not rewarding. This is not those things. And we, then we have to ask a question. Is it because I've hardened my heart? Maybe I've hardened my heart toward my wife. And, and, and men, if you do that, that, that's the beginning of the end. That will screw everything up. It starts right there between the relationship. You know, how many, uh, we, we think today because divorce is so common, we've tricked ourselves in the culture, we tricked ourselves into thinking that, you know, it doesn't really matter. Kids survive it, they get over it. Nobody gets over it ever. That's a reality. My parents divorced when I was seven years old. And I never gotten over it. It hasn't crippled me, but still today, it saddens me. Still today, I think of, wow, what could it have been? I think of the tragedy in our family. I think of the suffering that, uh, you know, my, my three immediate sisters from my mom and dad, uh, man, their lives have been much more difficult than mine. And they would, all of them, tell you in an honest moment that it all started when dad left home. And thank God by his grace, we're all reconciled. We all love each other. My dad is fantastic. My sisters have a great relationship with him. And he's the first one to take all the responsibility on himself and say, I, I messed up everything for everyone. Please forgive me. But you see, uh, it's a hard heart that will do that. And so it might be a hard heart toward your wife. Don't go there. Repent of that. It might be a hard heart toward your children. Man, I can't, I personally cannot believe how, how many times I meet people and they're estranged from their kids because their kid did something that they're just not going to forgive them for. And they're, until that kid comes and until that kid apologizes, until that kid does this. And you know what? You're just driving a wedge deeper and deeper into that by holding on to that. And sure, you can justify it. Well, they were wrong. And I'm right. And everybody knows it. Yeah, that's probably all true. But guess what? We're all wrong. And God's right. But what did he do? He forgave us. And, and so we have to forgive. We, you know, there, sometimes you just have to say, you know what, Lord, for Jesus' sake, I'm just going to forgive this. If there, if there are real issues there, and, and Lord, would you, would you work this out? Would you fix this? But if your heart is hard, you won't even be thinking in those terms. And, and you know, sometimes, of course, pride is driving it all because you're not about to say you're sorry. You're not about to do that. And I'm the dad. I'm the one who knows best and they've revolted against me. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. 
You put yourself in a position like that and you're basically gonna mess everything up forever. How many people die in a situation like that? How sad it is. And so it, it, it's a hard heart, hard heart maybe toward the wife, maybe toward the children, but ultimately it's a hard heart toward God because that's not the heart of God. God's not like that. Jesus told us here in the passage, this is what God made the male and female for this reason. A man shall leave his father and mother, cling to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That's what we talked about. That's, that's the, the children in one sense. And as we saw from our previous study, as we read down further, children do enter into the context. So, what do we do if we're in that place? Well, we repent. Repent means we're, we're going one direction, we turn around. And we ask God to soften our hearts. And we ask him to forgive us. And we probably are gonna have to ask forgiveness from those that we've hurt. But you know, here's the wonderful reality. When you do that, and you do it sincerely. You enter into the joy of being a husband, a father, a grandfather. You know, when my oldest daughter was uh, 17, and, and actually probably more from the time she was 13 till she was 17, we had a really strained relationship. And she was rebellious. And I was an idiot. And those two things don't really go well together. And, and we had a, um, you know, we kind of had a climactic moment where we just, you know, it was intense. And as a result of that, she left the house and, um, and so forth. And then, you know, some time passed and God dealt with her and she got right with the Lord and she came back and, you know, family was reconciled and she ended up getting married when she was 18 and all of that. But, you know, there was a point where I had to go to her and I had to say, please forgive me. Forgive me for being such an idiot. I, I, I don't know why I was the way I was. Now, we lived in England at the time. Now, you know, England in the winter is cold. And she would come out in the morning to go to church and she would have, you know, high-heeled sandals on in 39-degree weather. And instead of just saying, well, gosh, those aren't really the right shoes for today, but hey, if you want your feet to freeze, that's okay. No, I didn't do that. What is the matter with you? What are you, out of your mind, come and dress like this, you know, and I would just throw a fit. You know, or she would do her eyebrows a certain way. I didn't like that. What are you doing shaving your eyebrows like that? Now, one time, she came home with a shaved head. And I didn't even react, but her mother did. She'll tell that story someday. She probably told it already. That wasn't good either. <laughs> but you know, seriously, I had to go back to her and I had to say, please forgive me. And she did. 
And, and I think of today the, the great relationship that we have. But, you know, I could have held on to my pride. Now, she was wrong. She was rebellious. She was those things. But a lot of her rebellion was against just idiotic rules that I had put in place for whatever reason. I don't know. But the great news is that God heals and he restores. And so this is God's intention, dads, that fatherhood is joyful, that fatherhood is rewarding. And, and man, let's, let's enter into all that God has intended with fatherhood. And, and last word, you know, remember I said in the beginning, I, I didn't have a good fatherly role model, but the Lord himself became that for me. And you know, that, that is a reality that God is our father. And maybe today you, you're in that sense, maybe you're an orphan. Maybe you don't have God as your father. But guess what? He wants to become your father. He's your creator. He made you. And he's had this wonderful plan for your life. But you've been outside of it. But the moment you come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive my sins. I want to be part of your family. Guess what? God becomes your father. And even if you're 65 years old, guess what? He'll start teaching you. He'll start helping you and instructing you and changing you and transforming you. And things can be better and things can be good in the future. So Lord, we pray uh, today. Lord, I I just pray for all the fathers in the room. I thank you for each one. And those listening over across in the fellowship hall and wherever else fathers might be, Lord, would you minister to each of us in a special way? Lord, thank you that you are our heavenly father. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive our sins and help us, Lord, to not have a hard heart, but a tender heart toward you, toward our wives, toward our children, toward our grandchildren. Give us your heart in regard to all of these things. And Lord, I do pray if there's a single person with us that doesn't have a heavenly father. They they don't have that sense of there is someone who loves me deeply and cares for me and, and has a plan for me. Lord, may they know today that your arms are wide open and may they come and fall into your embrace and receive your great love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.